my name is John O'Farrell. And I'm Angela Barnes. And together we are history. This That's is what the, they're saying, John. <laughs> this is we are this is the We Are History podcast. We're gonna do that joke every, every week. Every <laughs> single episode. Yeah. Well we are looking at quirky, interesting maybe slightly unexplored backwaters of history you know having a, a, a humorous sideways look at the yeah. uh, at the olden days and uh, this week we are looking at angela at me uh, we're looking at angela <laughs> we're, well we're looking at the british invasion of iceland which john until i met you i didn't even know was a thing i don't know why i'm so interested in this um, you're a little bit obsessed i, 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 I am. Use, john i think it's because it's, it was just such a polite invasion. <laughs> and, the, and the, you know, the word invasion sounds so um, aggressive and uh, imperialist and destructive. But basically, the British army turned up at Reykjavik on May the 10th, 1940, and went, I'm so embarrassed. Do you mind awfully if we invade you? I know it's an awfully rum thing, <laughs> but it's sort of a bit awkward with Hitler in Norway. So... We we won't make any damage, and we'll you know. So it's basically like that. It was right. the most the most charming, polite invasion there's ever been in history. Is my view. So why why did they? I suppose we need to look at the wider context. Yes. During World War Two, early on, so Hitler has invaded Norway and Denmark. That's right. Chamberlain is uh, prime minister. Mm-hmm. Um, Churchill is uh, first sea lord of the Admiralty, or whatever you call him, in charge of the navy, and. Britain was very alarmed and uh, caught on the hop by the invasion of Norway and Denmark. So suddenly the whole of the North Atlantic, you know, is very exposed to yeah, uh, German U-boats. Yeah, America and Britain, right? Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, that whole... Atlantic is... America's still neutral, of course, at this point. But mm-hmm. um, people, they looked at the, the uh, North Sea and they looked at the North Atlantic and thought, OK, our shipping is vulnerable now to U-boat bases operating out of Norway. So Britain occupied the Faroe Islands, right. which was an easy warm-up. <laughs> yeah. um, and then on May the 10th, which is a big day in World War II, um, Hitler invaded Belgium, Holland, attacked France, Luxembourg. But Britain hit back because <laughs> it had plans. It had plans on the same day that uh, we should occupy Iceland. And the bizarre thing was that because of Norway falling, Chamberlain had been ousted as prime minister. So it was Churchill's first day on the job on May the 10th. That's one hell of a first day It's on a the first job. day. You're looking through what's on today. Can I change the speed dials on my phone? Yeah, um, exactly. No, I'm afraid the low countries have been invaded. Hitler's rolling the, his tanks uh Westward, um, and we're invading Iceland. Right. (laughs) Maybe skip lunch. Maybe work through lunch today, (laughs) is what Churchill must have had to say. Yeah, usually you're just having your induction. Yeah, health and safety talk. Yeah, yeah. Mugs in the kitchen. All that. He was straight in at the deep end, Paul Winston. Right. So the low countries, Belgium, France, have fallen. Over that month, they Over the month. So, but but on May the 10th, it was the day that the, 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 the Hitler launched his uh, attack westward. That right. we, we, I say we, I don't think we should talk about we, World War II. I know, I think, yeah. It's a bit Brexit, isn't it? They, the Brits, yes. uh, the Brits back then landed uh, and, uh, and carried out what was called Operation Fork. And this was to uh, secure bases in Iceland before the Germans did, because there was a worry that if we didn't invade Iceland, then the Germans would, as they had taken uh, Denmark, and there's very close ties between Iceland and Denmark, of course, uh, the Danish king was was you know was really effectively the ruler of Iceland as well as uh, 
Denmark. When I say ruler, he was the head of state. Uh, Iceland wasn't completely independent from Denmark at that point. Right. Uh, and so when Denmark fell, they declared independence and it looked they looked very vulnerable and exposed. They had no army to speak of, 60 reservists and wow. uh, a couple of policemen on the shore. The Brits turn up in, at dawn with this uh, army and start disembarking at Reykjavik. And there's one very cross Icelandic policeman say, you can't invade us. We're a neutral <laughs> country. And the Brits are going... I don't speak Icelandic. I'm sorry. Did, <laughs> did, did, sorry, did anyone do Norse mythology at Cambridge? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, it's worth... Firstly, is there any evidence that the Germans were ever planning uh, to invade Iceland? Um, there were counter-invasion plans later right. uh, drawn up. But no, there's no evidence that Germany were. But I think that's probably because Hitler had his mind on other things. Yeah, yeah. He was infuriated that Britain had got these bases in uh, Iceland. Yeah. And they sort of caught him off the on the hop a bit and i would have thought he might have guessed that we were going to invade iceland i have you know us i'm doing it again um <laughs> would have caught that britain would invade iceland because of what happened in the faroe islands but um the british navy you know uh had the wherewithal to get troops to iceland quickly it was geographically close I mean, it was to very quick yeah, it was quick yeah wasn't it and they weren't the most prepared <laughs> troops no i mean that's this is the other thing the the plan <laughs> It was sort of cobbled together very quickly. The plan was drawn up. The plan for the vision was drawn up on the boat on the way on the boats on the way over there. Yeah. The recruits they took were not exactly the SAS crack elite <laughs> commandos. They're a bunch of teenagers who yeah. were uh, fresh faced, never been out of the country before, had hardly learned how to hold a rifle. Some of them had never shot a rifle till they got them. Yeah, and didn't have to do it and when they got yeah, there either. Yeah. So they were just a bunch of lads, really, uh, going on a uh, uh, their first uh, school trip away. <laughs> it's like it's like when you enter Boulogne shoplifting. It's that yeah. sort of thing. Oh, well, lads are going to invade Iceland. <laughs> but they didn't know where they were going, but it was not a very well kept secret. Well, I heard they, they sort of got on the train at Euston. Yes. Travelled up to Scotland, mm. and the. The leak, the information was leaked. Right. While they were, by the time they got to Scotland, they all knew what the mission was. Right, right. And they must have thought, wow, that sounds cold or yeah. whatever. Uh, it was May. Iceland, giveaway. Iceland was always, always a clue. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was a very uh, bizarre invasion. So um, they sailed into the harbour. Now, they had officially, Britain had violated Iceland's neutrality, and this was pointed mm. out to them. And then, you know, the Brits said, well, you know, Hitler uh, violated Denmark's neutrality. Um there was a worry that there were um, Germans in Iceland. There was a German consulate there. Mm -hmm. And it was supposed to be a surprise at British landing. And we had a little reconnaissance plane uh, fly over Iceland to look at suitable landing grounds. And the instructions to the pilot were, don't fly over Reykjavik. Fly right. over Reykjavik, got it. Yeah, no, don't. Fly. So Reykjavik, don't fly over it because you'll alert them because there are no planes in Iceland. There's no airport in Iceland. Oh, they'd never, they'd never be see pretty, planes. Um, be a big obvious, clue. isn't it? A big old plane so, comes over. So Reykjavik, fly over. No, don't fly over Reykjavik. And of course, this guy flies over Reykjavik, wakes up the whole town. A plane? What's a plane doing over Iceland? So Including all, the German consulate. Yeah, exactly. So he rushed to the bathroom with all his papers and started burning all their documents in the, the German... bath. Yeah, the Germans there. Yeah. And they're burning all their secret papers. I can't imagine quite what that was. Probably like deleting your history on the on, the, on yeah. the laptop. It's probably, it's probably all his... I don't know what he was doing. But anyway, um, we, we, the Brits, got there and um, they quickly tried to get the German consulate and um, that was secured. There were, there were landings in other places apart from Reykjavik, the key ports. And... Um, 750 Marines were suddenly, you know, stationed there. Uh, it was explained that Iceland's laws would be respected, the Parliament yeah. would continue, and that Britain would withdraw would withdraw as soon as it was safe. Right. So how did the Icelandics 
react to these 750 teenage Brits <laughs> turning Oh, God, it sounds like Benidorm Britain or something. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, <laughs> to be honest, the reason I'm so interested in this is because I've always fancied writing about it. There's, it seems slightly comic, uh, a little episode that nobody really knows about, and it's not of great strategic military value. There were no shots fired when the Brits landed. There were no tanks rolling up the beaches. You know, it was just some teenagers g- disembarking, and they'd all been seasick on the boat, so they're all, you know, green, <laughs> and they're freezing cold. And of course, it, I said a bit of a shock. Yeah, to them. These lads were from sort of, you know, Bolton or Croydon or something. And suddenly yeah. they're they're having to put up Nissen huts. Suddenly you suddenly got to accommodate 750 lads in yeah. Iceland. The book we both read um, has got um, pic- pictures in it of these bleak looking Nissen huts. <laughs> and these lads. And then soon after, they stationed another 4,000 ch- uh, soldiers there. Yeah. And it's like the fire festival in 1940. <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, yeah, yeah. It's you like, don't want to be in a tent in, in Iceland, Iceland, no. It's, it's, the, it's the World War II equivalent of fire. That's what it yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Slightly better organised. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, so first thing they, the Brits did is actually organise a football match with the Icelanders. And, uh, classic. Isn't that so, classic yeah, British? A bit of PR. Let's have a game absolutely. of association football. And um, rather tactfully, the Brits lost 1-0. Obviously, they did uh, on purpose. They did, and uh, uh, everyone laughed at the idea of England losing to Iceland, which was, of course, something that was going to be repeated in Euro 2016 when they knocked say, us I out. I know very little about football, but didn't Iceland they have did. a really good Euro they did. 2016? They did. They knocked us out of the out of the, uh, out of the tournament. I, I feel like I should just say I've got a 12-week-old puppy who's in the other room, and she is not happy that we're in here recording this. So she's if you hear so... a little whining, we are checking on her every now and then. She's so interested in Iceland and World War II. <laughs> she really she, is. She feels I like mean, she's missing out. I mean, I could bring her in and see if she'll just sit on she the sit floor on if that's less yeah. noisy. Shall we see if she... Yeah, all right. Oh, good. There we go. Just hear a little dog panting in the microphone. <laughs> That'll be Tina the cockapoo. So one of the problems was that uh, no one spoke Icelandic on the English side, so it was all right. done through, you know, relying on the Icelanders to... Uh, speak English. Right. Iceland was a f- much more isolated place, uh, you know, back in 1940. Of course, there weren't easy jet No, no quick flights. There was no airport. In fact, yes, thank you, Tina the dog. Oh, t- um, good comment. I know you feel strongly about this. <laughs> She's got more input than I have. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so the Brits built the airport. So the airport where you, uh, I think, I might be right in saying, the airport where you land now when you fly to... Reykjavik is the one built by the British when they oh. um, when they occupied Iceland in 1940. You're welcome, Iceland. Yes. <laughs> a lot of thanks you give us for it. Um, so um, compensation. Did you read about all the compensation claims? Yeah. Well, so the, the Brits basically said that they would compensate the Icelanders for any damage or any, you know, anything that was a cause of them being there. Yeah, so there was, right. like, if your lorry you know, scraped your gate of your yeah. farm, then you could put in a claim. And, and funnily enough, yeah. and quite, <laughs> quite a lot of Icelanders suffered... Incredible damage. Oh, so much damage. Yeah. So done these... by the marauding <laughs> troops through their country. Now, in very remote parts of Iceland, there were oh, walls being knocked down and roofs <laughs> being blown off because of the exhaust of a lorry or whatever. So, yeah, they got they these Icelanders were, were suddenly realised they were onto something. And yeah. um, it cost the Brits quite a lot of money, but it was I just mean, thought... Fair play to fair them. Fair play. Like, yeah, who wouldn't? who wouldn't? just come and yeah. invaded their country. Exactly. <laughs> But um, the only thing I didn't read much about in the book I read was that um, the relations between the soldiers and uh, the Ingrid Johansdottir of uh, <laughs> all the uh, Icelandic women. There's not yeah. much about well, that. Presumably, so the population of Iceland at the time was, what, 160,000, I think? It's very small, yeah. Around that. So it's a pretty small population. If you suddenly got 
5,000... Young men turn up. Young men yeah. rock up. Yeah. That's going to make the um, your with, odds a little... <laughs> with all their fashionable unfavorable. their fashionable Vera Lynn records and their, <laughs> and their, their really groovy 1940s clothes. Um, yeah. It must have been quite a cultural shock for the Icelanders. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I guess... So there was probably tension between young Icelandic men, presumably, and yeah, the troops. Yeah, I didn't find much evidence of that, um, though. Much the only I thing I found it. was that they would wind them up by... Uh, going past their centuries and yelling Heil Hitler or oh, singing right. Deutschland über alles at yeah. them. Well, actually, <laughs> Just to yes. wind them up a bit. The other thing that's slightly complicated is there was a sort of Nordic Aryan movement which had Quisling in Norway and there was some people in Iceland who obviously sympathised with this idea of the Viking master race. So there was a bit of that. But there's also the Communist Party of Iceland uh, since the Nazi-Soviet pact were not on the side of making war against Hitler. So there was, the communists were hostile to the capitalist Britain right. uh, being occupying their space. Of course, soon as Hitler invaded uh, the Soviet Union, they were all like, so, we, we, demand, we demand a second front, Britain. Why are you not attacking the Nazis more aggressively? But at the, yeah. the, the time, there was the political opposition to Britain was more marked by the fact that not only the communists, but also the fascists uh, mm. in Iceland, who were the minority... But they said, were still there. there. And also, I guess in a population of 160,000, a minority. Yeah, yeah. Sort of. <laughs> yeah. I'm just negotiating this dog's um, attempt to knock the mic. Right. Do you down, I know it's yeah. not. I'm rather loving doing a podcast with a, a, a puppy on my lap. I've never done this before. <laughs> so um, the Brits said that uh, the parliament should continue and that compensation would be paid. And so there were problems with the communist newspaper stirring up trouble against the Brits. And one or two of them were deported. One or two communists. I think even a communist MP might be whatever the equivalent of an MP is in Iceland. Right. One or two of them were, uh, maybe they were deported to Denmark, which sounds a bit harsh. Maybe they were, No, I think maybe they were taken back to Britain. I can't remember. Yeah, just send but, to Hitler. Send to Hitler. But, um, <laughs> Hitler. He'll deal with them. But then, you know, I, uh, Britain had naval bases, you know, right across the North Atlantic. It made the um, business of shipping the, to America safer yeah. and reduced British losses. Now, at that point, the Americans weren't in the war, but Roosevelt was keeping a close eye on this. And... Um, Roosevelt was much more sympathetic to the British cause than his Congress. Perhaps in the second half, we'll talk about what happened with the Americans there. But it was a very dramatic sort of first month in Europe because right throughout May in in mainland Europe, the French line collapsed at Sudan. Um, The French were retreating on all the fronts. Britain was cut off, Dunkirk, all of that. The, uh, The German tanks reaching... The coast at Abbeville. Suddenly, the whole British army was caught off. My dad was at Dunkirk. Oh, really? uh, yeah, and um, my uncle was stuck behind the lines at Belgium. And all these terrible things were happening in Europe. No one really had even gave a th- minute's thought to Iceland. Iceland yeah, it was like the, the world. The world was collapsing around their ears. Um, you know, um, Humphrey Bogart was being stood up by Ingrid Bergman <laughs> at Paris, and uh, <laughs> uh, she wore grey. The Germans wore blue, or whatever it was. And um, <laughs> uh, so it was incredible. Dramatic, incredibly dramatic time. Imagine being some soldier stuck out stuck in Iceland. In Iceland while all this is going yeah, on. Yeah, it must have been like feeling like, A, you were probably safest place to be. Yeah, yeah. But also like you were missing out on the war. Uh, probably better to be in a glacier than on the beach at, you know, uh, at beach at Dunkirk. Dunkirk, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but what an experience. I mean, uh, to be uh, stuck out in this nowhere place. Where and, the... and such a bizarre landscape as well. Yeah. Somebody from yeah, so, glaciers yeah. and geysers. and Yeah, and volcanoes and the tectonic plates of uh, It felt of like being on another planet. Yeah, like being on the moon. I don't know. If, if you, 
not been to Iceland. I've been to Iceland. I went no. there a few years back. It is an amazing place because you've got the, I mean, it's sort of a symbolic landscape anyway because you've got the tectonic plates of america and the eurasian plates crushing up against each other and we had this tour guide when we were there he's going he was like an mtv presenter <laughs> he was sort of like had that sort of mid-atlantic it was like an mtv sort of no here we have a pretty cool scene you see because <laughs> you got the american tectonic plate and the eurasian plate and they're crushed together you can hop from america to europe there if you like it's pretty cool and then <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah if you want to get back on the bus we're gonna see a really crazy geezer and this afternoon oh uh, you're gonna see a pretty cool volcano which is still smoking pretty hot so get on board <laughs> and enjoy the tour guys and uh, great. this is great but uh it is, um, you know, the landscape, and you've got the midnight sun, and you've got the northern lights. Um, so it's like nowhere on Actually, earth. A teenage boy lights. from Bolton yeah, seeing the yeah, northern lights. Yeah, I know. <laughs> now you just go to Sinatra's disco, but uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, it must have been an incredible experience. But I think we forget, don't we, as well, that people wouldn't have been as aware of what other places were like absolutely then, as we are yeah. now. You know, yeah, there was no just, television. My, my grandmother no... married um, a man from Newfoundland. Right. During the war. Wow. And then as soon as the war, they married over here during the war. As soon as the war ended, they went back to Newfoundland. And my grandmother, being a girl who grew up in Crowborough in Sussex, <laughs> wow. was suddenly found herself eight months pregnant on a troop ship. My God. Travelling to Newfoundland. Sorry, I don't understand. She got married when? <laughs> here. <laughs> so, <laughs> it was all legit, <laughs> so I'm told. Um, the baby I'm was just, just a bit early. I'm just not do the math. <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, they went, they're Catholic, so obviously yes. it's all legit. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they went, she was on a troop ship back to Newfoundland with all the troops, wow. the Newfoundland regiment going back. And of course, then arrived in St. John in Newfoundland. How alien that winter, must have been. My God, I'm freezing cold. pregnant, wow. you know, minus wow. 20, so six you're, feet of snow. So you're a quarter Newfoundland. I am, yes. Oh, that's very Indeed interesting. So yeah. interesting I'm, detail. In fact, I have, I'll show, I've got a map of Newfoundland on my ankle. Have tattoo. you really? There we go. Oh, wow, yeah. There it is. Cool. St. John's is hairy. <laughs> so I've got a lot of... Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, mate. It's winter. Shut up. <laughs> I jest. Uh, um, and of course, at that point, an independent country, which people exactly, don't yeah. know. Exactly, yeah. It was 47 it became part of Canada, I think, or 48, maybe. Completely independent country till 1947. Interesting yeah. facts. There you go. Google it. So look, and uh, another, just another little interesting fact yeah. about Newfoundland. Why not? We yeah. go off on tangents. Uh, one of the, I think the only place, possibly, to um, have suffered a complete genocide. Oh, really? The, the, the Native, Native Americans of Newfoundland and the Beartook tribe, and they are known nonetheless. Wow. Okay. That's not, not a happy note. On a happy, a happy note. Why don't we there get a cup go. of tea? Should we have a little break a on that? A little happen. break of tea and then get back to Iceland. I think it's fair enough to, to segue over to Newfoundland. It sort of feels sort of thematically related. Yeah. Um, yeah. And um, we'll come back and talk about what happened in the first year of British occupation of Iceland. So here we are talking about uh, Iceland, the British invasion in 1940. And yep. pretty soon the British forces settled in and the locals decided they quite liked them. Uh, oh. The compensation scheme was uh, bringing in a bit of money and the hilarious dodgy claims pile was uh, growing higher and higher. <laughs> but living standards rose in Iceland. Uh, and um, Because yeah, of the dodgy claims. Because of the dodgy claims. And the, the British forces were not, you know, like hardened, cracked, Waffen SS troops. As we say, they were lads and they yeah. were not that trained. And um, there was a bit of a problem that the um, Iceland 
young people were laughing at the British troops about how useless they were. So where they right. they stopped having parades on the parade ground in the square, uh, marching and and drilling because they were so useless at it. Well, that, these, everyone, these lads had not yeah. been properly trained. No, they'd they? been they'd on. Like, they'd just come straight onto the boat. So when they were supposed to be marching in in the square, it was like bunch of you know shuffling <laughs> teenagers yeah, and the, yeah, so yeah. they stopped the drills because it was so uh unimpressive and the Icelandic teenagers were taking the mickey out of them hanging out of windows <laughs> mocking out of doing train. impersonating them so then they said okay well look, we'll assemble the gun we'll assemble the gun on the key side so they that'll had this, show them that'll show them they didn't they couldn't do that properly and they get it all wrong it's like hang on who's got the instructions here and uh, attach tab a to folding flat b they they like they had guns but no gun sight or yeah, that's right. They're, they're, if the Germans had invaded, they could have, if the Germans had chosen to invade at that point, they would have over, completely overrun uh, yeah. the, the um, 750 British troops. It would have yeah. been quite easy. Um, so this, the equipment was uh, inadequate. The soldiers were untrained. They eventually managed to fire the gun and it scared a chicken off the quayside who fell in the harbour and drowned. And oh, that, so there was one victim. There was a, there was a victim. So occupation. let us have a moment's silence for the chicken that died in the invasion of Iceland. And they um, wonder why the Icelanders yeah. were taking the piss out of it. Yeah, quite. But, you know, gradually the war did get closer to home. Um, some Icelandic boats were sunk by German U-boats. And, you know, the determination to be neutral with it. They had seen Denmark, their sort of mother country, occupied. Yeah. They had declared independence, you know, when that happened. And Iceland had been fighting for independence for some time. And now they felt that their independence was threatened by this British occupation. But they realised that when Britain allowed their parliament to continue sitting and that respect was shown to the, you know, the laws and the institutions of Iceland, it was nothing like um, the, the, the experience that Denmark was having. So there, were, there was a sense of relief uh, that this is the Brits who had invaded, not the Germans. Because when the plane went over and the ships were seen on the horizon, it was like, who it is this? Who is ships. this? Who is this? It's one side or the other. They yeah, didn't know. Yeah. Uh, Hello. Oh, thank, thank God it's the Brits. We've got tea. You know, not, uh, Did you bring yeah. the jam? Yeah, exactly. It was a bit like that. Um, so um, once things settled down a bit in Europe, so Churchill had been in the uh, uh, job now for a few more months, he actually came and visited Iceland. And this was a huge sort of uh, excitement. Uh, I don't think Churchill might have had other more important things You would have thought so, wouldn't you? I, I wonder if it was a... Um, I should, need to, should know this fact, but it might have been a stop-off on a visit to uh, see Roosevelt. Because right, yes. you couldn't fly easily to... Uh, Washington in those days. Of course, yeah. um, So maybe it was a stop-off. And just as Newfoundland was a great stopping-off point. Uh, the fact is where the North Atlantic Treaty was signed. Right, yeah. On my tattoo is a oh. little red dot. Oh, okay. And that is Ship Harbour, which is the village where my granddad was born and where the North Atlantic Treaty was signed. So you know that musical that's out now called Come From Away? I'm going to see it next Thursday. Oh, it's very good. Have you seen it? I have seen it. I, yeah, I saw it. In, I'm very I, I saw it in New York, actually. There's um, 22 <laughs> of us from my family. Oh, going, fantastic. Newfoundland yeah. Catholics. Newfoundland Catholics. Um, <laughs> but it's yeah. that, that airport where all those planes landed used to be one of the biggest airports in the world because yeah. it was the first fueling point for when you crossed the yeah. Atlantic because it was hard to get across the Atlantic in the old days. So maybe, I'm thinking, maybe Churchill was stopping off Iceland on the way to America. Yeah. Anyway, he visited... And it was a huge sort of uh, occasion for the uh, Icelanders to have the sort of um, symbolic leader of the free world uh, yeah. in their capital. And for those soldiers there, the 5,000 Brits now, uh, standing to attention, doing their best, you know, not to sort of wipe their nose on their sleeves. <laughs> um, so nobody's um, coming. Quick, yeah. you're busy. <laughs> um, but, um, you know, the whole um, experience of the Iceland was one of friendship, 
and mutual respect and a sense of an education for both sides, I think. Do, do, there aren't many friendly invasions. That's why I'm so interested in it. It does remind me of the, what's the, the, when the Dutch invaded in the 17th century. What, here? Here. Yeah. In, and they came via sort of Devon, Cornwall. Yeah, they landed at Torbay, yeah. And and by all accounts, I think, yeah. I think people were... They'd I mean, sort they of welcomed, like, come in, do you want a pasty? You know, well, it was sort of, they're invited. Uh, William of Orange was invited, wasn't he, by yeah. the uh, Parliament. Actually, I think there was some sense of, oh, my God, they, he's brought an army with him. Right? It's not quite what we planned. Right, um, yeah. But, again, there was no shots fired, particularly until you get to the sort of Battle of the Boyne. Yeah. Um, but the idea of a sort of uh, benign invasion yeah. is... Um, you know, is a curious one because they were cross when it first happened. They were like, "We're a neutral country. You can't invade us." And they didn't have the means to. Didn't have the. They didn't have, repel it. They had a, some sort of sixty reservists and a, and a policeman. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> um, but I think what happened was that Iceland realised that yes, they were neutral, but the war wasn't going to ignore them. So yeah. Icelandic trawlers were sunk by German boats. Um, right. Uh, you know there were other deaths in shipping uh, and they saw what was happening in Denmark and they realised that, you know, if you have to take sides, the Allies was the side to be on. Yeah. Um, so there's a sort of wider philosophical point, I think, about this is that, you know, uh, Iceland wanted to be neutral. It's an, We're an island. We're not, we're not in Europe. But when you've got, you know, Hitler invading, and you have um, no military strength. Yeah, yeah, but at all. But if you have the, the the geographical position to assist, you know, the side that is resisting uh, this totalitarian occupation of Europe, then you know, do you have the right to say no? We're going to keep out of it, or do you have a moral duty to say we'll take your side, however yeah. complex that is? So Ireland, for example, you know, yeah. uh, stayed neutral and there was a lot of controversy about that, especially after the war. Uh, Iceland wanted to be neutral and wasn't given that choice. Yeah. But I think but perhaps by the end understood why and accepted why. Yeah. And, and it's, what might have happened if that invasion hadn't taken place, maybe, and if they had attempted to stay neutral. Maybe Hitler would have come in. He, he did draw up plans and he might have gone, look, we, we can sink more Allied shipping. Because actually... Starving the British to death was the best chance the Germans had after sort of the, yeah. after the plans for invasion of Britain looked like uh, they weren't going to work. Happen, yeah. So, so to uh, to sink all the British merchant shipping, which was you know they were sinking twenty ships a day, yeah. um, that would have been Hitler's best chance. So, I think maybe I don't know who knows whether he would have. What do you think? She feels strongly about this, but yeah. So maybe Hitler would have invaded, but soon his attention was turned eastwards, and he was. Uh, by the summer of 1941, of course, invading um, the Soviet Union. Uh, that went well, didn't it? That all, that's a whole other story. <laughs> and it was no, nowhere near as nice as the invasion of Iceland. Yeah, I think if you do a comparison not, of nice invasions, he did not learn from how to do it from the Brits. Not affable occupation. Yes. So after a year, uh, America still neutral at this point. Yes, which I think is really curious. Yeah. Um, yeah, America... Relieves the English garrison, yeah, and stations its own troops there. So this is not the act of a neutral country for me. This is the no, act of what, a country. What's their reasoning for doing it? Uh, I suppose what, what Roosevelt could tell Congress was, oh, Iceland is a neutral country, so shouldn't have the British there, which is one side. We will garrison this country to secure the neutrality. We'll be of this neutral country. together. We'll be neutral together. But what it was really doing was letting the British just focus uh, on other things right. and securing American bases on this 
key strategic landmass on the North Atlantic. Yeah. But it's, you know... Well, regardless of their neutrality, he wouldn't have done Iceland the same. being occupied by Germans is a threat to America. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah. So he wouldn't have relieved German forces anywhere, put it that way. Yeah. So it was a strong indication, I think, of which way the wind was blowing in uh, America, yeah. the way Roosevelt wanted... Um, wanted the war to go and wanted to be involved in Europe. Congress didn't want America involved in Europe. And everyone thinks, oh, Japan bombed Pearl Harbor, so America came into the war in Europe. Those two things do not follow. Right. So uh, Japan bombs Pearl Harbor. Everyone in America thinks, well, we've got our war now. We've got our war in, in the Pacific. Yeah, with we're Japan. Not, yeah, we're not going to get involved in that European war. Yeah. It's only four days later that Hitler declares war on America. So right. H- Hitler brought America into the European war. So then they've war. no choice. Roosevelt would have liked to have come into the European war, but it, it was Hitler who made forced Congress's hand, as yeah. it were. But I think perhaps maybe Hitler was slightly more enraged at America because of Iceland. Maybe he right. was slightly more enraged because of the Lend-Lease. Uh, so this whole, this whole business in Iceland might have, have had might have, might have more had a of contrib- an influence over have, the outcomes of World War II than we think. Possibly, possibly. I mean, I think uh, Hitler was mad to declare what? war on America. You know, what <laughs> yeah. was he thinking? Uh, yeah, well, um, not known for his sanity. No, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, you know, what's the biggest industrial power in the world? I think I'll declare war on them when I'm already fighting the British Empire and Russia. You know? Yeah, so, and uh, depleted <laughs> yeah. armies. And, yeah. yeah, but uh, maybe... Uh, his sense that America was not behaving like a neutral country, which was demonstrated by Aston, maybe that was a factor. But anyway, the Brits had to leave after a year. So all those uh, love affairs between the lad from Bolton that we've cast into this story and the Ingrid's Johann's daughter, the (laughs) the farmer's daughter from from the the little village by the glacier, Um, if those romances were broken up, I'd think there were some marriages. So I wonder if there were any marriages. Do you know what? There's very little written about this whole episode. There's one book that I found... Uh, I've researched it quite a bit because, as I said, I was thinking, hoping to writing something more about it at one point. Yeah. But there's, I couldn't find much about marriages or um, love affairs, but there must have been some. There must, must have been. I must, mean, they were there for a year. Yeah. Randy the, young teenagers. Yes, the northern lights, the yeah. midnight sun. Uh, and that's it, three hours of daylight in some parts of the... Yeah. If it's, you know, yeah. What I are we going to do when it's dark? Exactly. <laughs> so, so um, yeah, so, you know, the, the, they're replaced by the Americans and... I'm not saying the Icelanders preferred the Brits to the Americans, but the Icelanders preferred the Brits to the Americans. Um, they were probably slightly more civilised. I don't know. It was, um, but there was a very uh, uh, sweet uh, sending off ceremony. There was uh, speeches and goodbyes. And the, um, the Icelandic leader at the time said, this is the only time in history where an invading force has been liked more after it's been there than when it, when it landed. Which I, think, I wonder if that has ever happened since. Yeah, That's yeah so, lovely, so he it? sort of said, you know, we, 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 you came as uh, invaders, you leave as friends. Yeah. And um, we thought you were idiots. <laughs> we no, thought we you were idiots, right. but you're, you're nice idiots. <laughs> yeah, and, harmless um, idiots. Yeah, I suppose that you know the other when when there's when the other sort of four thousand troops turned up, they hopefully were a bit more trained and a bit more experienced. Uh, yeah. But it must have been a rum old posting to be in Iceland for in 1940 41. Yeah, uh, central heating, not really. A yeah, thing. yeah. I mean, well, especially like, not in a tent or a Nissan hut. Yeah, yeah. There must have been. All that. Oh. I mean, I don't, you know. I, I, but then, I, that, like that, you say, I suppose they saw what was happening to people in yeah. Belgium and France and maybe yeah. counted their blessings a bit more. Yeah, yeah. And then, so Iceland ended up not a neutral country. Yep. Uh, it joined NATO yep. after the war. American bases were placed on uh, Iceland ever after. 
And that became a source of much contention at the time. There were great protests uh, about NATO, joining NATO. The communists felt very strongly against it. But, you know, that all changed on May the 10th when uh, Britain invaded Iceland. It was a time that uh, Iceland left uh, its geographic and political isolation and became part of the world, really. Yeah. It became part of uh, the geopolitics of uh Europe and America, I yeah. suppose. So within a year, it sort of gained its independence from Denmark. Within a month or two, part yeah. Of a much yeah. wider Yeah, so April, April 1990, Denmark invaded. Iceland declares independence. May the 10th, England turned up with the army. Yeah. I should say Britain, actually, because they would have landed from Scotland. Um, and um, Iceland's destiny changed, really, in yeah. that month. And what an interesting yeah, roller coaster. I didn't know about it. You'd think right. it's such an interesting little bit of that. Yeah. And then a very poor agrarian econom economy in the 40s, 50s and 60s, very, uh, very dependent on the fishing industry. Mm. Next time we had oh, the yeah. war, the word war used with Iceland, it was the Cod, cod War. Wars. Do you remember the Cod Wars? You're probably too young. I think, I, I mean, I remember reading about them. I think yeah. was it no, in the I'm, 70s. In the, about 73, we'd have yeah, things on the news. Yeah, I was 76, John. Oh, I see. I was a teenager then. I was watching the news every night and there's a, uh, things have turned nasty in the Cod War and it's like, you know, it's just like some Laurence Olivier uh, uh, follow-up to the World at War. Well, the yeah. World at Cod War. Oh, yeah. When <laughs> British naval ships have rammed Icelandic trawlers. So basically we had the a... Cod War just sounds like a fake war. It doesn't. Right? It, was a cod, it wasn't really a war. It was a trade dispute but it did involve a little bit of a couple of ships ramming each other. Yeah. But the Icelanders declared a 50, I think a 50 mile exclusion fishing zone, then a 250 mile fishing exclusion zone. And the British were like, no, we fish there, shut up. And um, <laughs> we're big and you're so small. You have that sense of, yes, uh, yeah. and, uh, so, but we want it. So then they all, and then in the sort of, of course, in the 90s, they all gave up fishing and all became bankers and they had this massive sort of banking boom and they're all making millions and millions. And the crash came. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they all lost all their money and yep. the people were arrested. There was no money coming out of the cash machines in Iceland and they were all arrested. Um, they actually dealt with their bankers They dealt with their Iceland, bankers, yeah. Which is a refreshing yeah. Yeah. And, um And it's just a very interesting country, uh, but it sort of came into the sort of the, the global sphere, I think, on May the 10th, 1940, when mm. Europe turned up in the shape of some British teenagers who all just been seasick and were desperate <laughs> to lose their virginity. <laughs> <laughs> what a place to, to happen. Lovely. Oh, that's great. Thank you very much, George. It's been fun, isn't it? <laughs> it's been fun. And um, I'm sorry I've talked so much, Angela. I, oh, I no, feel this like... Is your, I know this is your yeah. sort of my, passion yeah, area, my, this yeah, it's, uh, no, no. Well, story. Next, so week, we're, next week, we'll pick uh, one of Angela's uh, areas of expertise and are you expertise to listen to me. Expertise is a very strong word, John. But we, we'll, um, we'll pick something Angela's read a book about. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's sort of summed up uh, the uh, uh, modern history of Iceland. If you're uh, ever inclined to get a cheap flight, go and visit the place. It's amazing. I'm dying it's, to go, yeah. I it's interesting it and they're lovely people and all the men are big and beardy and fat and all the women look like supermodels so i don't know how that <laughs> it's, I don't not know, fair. I, uh, it's not fair but um they're really friendly people they all love the english and they love uh, the premier league and they'll love to talk to you about that so visit yeah. iceland so i need to go there bone up on football oh, bone up football I'll be all right. and um yeah maybe visit some of the old nissen huts lovely <laughs> all right we'll catch you next time on the we are history podcast yeah and if you want to get in touch with us you can tweet us on at we are history pod fantastic or right. facebook as well oh and facebook to we are history pod i don't do the facebook i'm still on bebo I, i'm like 90 percent <laughs> sure it's we are history pod yeah, facebook yeah. group but you know you'll find it just my space i'm podcast. on all the modern things <laughs> <laughs> catch you next time you can write to john's home address yes <laughs> we'll catch you next time bye bye